0: I'm not any different than any other mom. What I am an expert at is my own story. And what I have a gift in is being willing to be vulnerable and create space for conversation that people don't give themselves. If I focus on that, that, that's what's going to make this successful. And so I went up there and I shared my story.
1: Hello, all you beautiful people. Welcome to We Talk, where we sit down with women entrepreneurs. We talk about successes, failures, journeys along the way. I'm super excited about this week's interview, but before we get into that, I want to talk about our live recording on October 26th. We're having it right here in Pittsburgh. We have four big powerhouses, Tammy Thompson from Catapult Greater Pittsburgh, Christy Efferman from Edge Leadership, Daniela Ozio from Clupify, and Yvonne Campos from The Next Act Fund. It's going to be from six to eight o'clock in Alloy 26. Please come. Let's get some inspiration for that women entrepreneur in you and the women entrepreneurs inside of our community. Now to the conversation that I just had with Brie Schmidt. Brie has a very unique brand that has changed exponentially throughout the years. And she's very vulnerable in talking about that. But the one thing that I was very surprised about from my standpoint is how much she knew the struggles that women mothers have just in our day-to-day world and the pressures that society puts onto us and what we carry ourselves. I'm so unbelievably privileged to share this conversation with you. I hope that you enjoy. So um, two things. I don't know how we ever actually met.
0: That's okay. I
1: know. Do you remember? We,
0: we sat next to each other very briefly in the speaker room at WhitCon. We did. And it was very clear that you knew many people in the room and many people in the room knew you and loved you very much. And I thought, this is somebody that I am interested in learning more about. And I now see on LinkedIn that you are everywhere. You know everyone. <laughs> but I think most importantly, it's there's a sense of people just appreciate you and you can tell that there's a warmth about you. And I don't know how I get that from LinkedIn, but that's how we met. It was very brief. Uh, thank we you. did not engage a ton, but I just, it was enough that I was like, I, I'm pretty interested in following what's going on here. So
1: I remember now, and I remember, I think it was me, you, another woman. And I want to say that there was a fourth woman and we started talking about, because I'm a, I'm a, a new mom. Yeah, uh, You are um, also a mom, but I, I think am. kids are a little bit older, right? Mine are 11, 9, and 7 now. Okay. So yes, a little bit older. Mine's just turned three on Monday. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I remember us talking about like the motherhood aspect and also like owning the business aspect. And I want to say the other woman was her first year in, like no kids, one in kids kind of thing. We were talking about the, the ventures of entrepreneurship and motherhood. And I remember distinctly you because I knew the other woman relatively well. So we went like super vulnerable and you kind of like just dove in with us. So like I appreciated that about you because a lot of women still do kind of want to have like this polish about them. and And you know what? Some women actually do have like that level of polish and like they can do it all. But we went straight into like the, this is getting real difficult kind of thing. Uh, and and you were like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably why I connected with you.
0: Because I was there talking about working motherhood. That was That was the breakout session that I was leading and talking about. Here we are at a Women in Tech conference where clearly you're going to be talking about your craft and all of the different things that come along with it. But you and I both know that when you are an entrepreneur, there is a level of needing to focus on your wellness, being honest about coming to work as a whole human being, which includes being a mother, which includes our mental, physical well-being. And the fact that the two of you were going so deep on it, you are my people. That is what I crave. I don't talk about the weather. I want to go there in conversation and I think I appreciated that both of you would do that because that's what I crave in my entrepreneur entrepreneurial journey are people who can go there and talk about the stuff that doesn't show up on you know an excel spreadsheet doesn't show up on our website but we lay in bed thinking about it and it affects the way that we show up in our work the way that we show up at networking events the way that we show up on podcasts it it all it all happens and so i think that's a lot of what i appreciated too is that you were going there and i think we need to do that as fellow women in the entrepreneurial space
1: yeah Although I will have to say for anyone who's listening to this in Pittsburgh, like the weather conversation is di- directly impacting my mental health as well. So, so. Uh, <laughs> sometimes in Pittsburgh, it's like, listen, I'm I'm going to say like, because someone will be like, how you doing? And I'm going to be like, you know what? The sun is out today. And like people think, especially if they're outside of Pittsburgh, that like I'm doing small talk. I'm like, no, no, no. Like I'm very happy right now. Right. Because the sun is never out in Pittsburgh but neither here nor there. This actually teased me perfectly uh, into talking a little bit about you know yourself, your background, and then The Thinking Brand. So go ahead. Sure. So I am a keynote speaker and
0: I'm the writer and creator behind the Pittsburgh-based social media platform, The Thinking Branch. It's a community. It's over 170,000 strong across Facebook and Instagram where we connect on the real and raw things that we endure as we navigate our personal, professional, and for some of us, our parenting lives as well. Um, I started my career, I worked in professional sports for five years. As a former basketball player, You know, it was a, a cool job to go into. But as a business person, I can't tell you the amount of business knowledge that I soaked in from an organization that was one of the best in sports as far as business goes. But I got to a point where I realized that I was pursuing a goal that other people had defined for me. I was one of the few females in the leadership space. And the next step was trying to become a director and a vice president. But somewhere along the way, my gut knew that it just something wasn't right. It had nothing to do with the organization, nothing to do with the people around me. But inside, it was like that voice that said, you know that you want to pursue entrepreneurship. And it was hard to walk away from something that I had tried to build and put so much time into. But um, I had kind of a personal moment in my life where we got pregnant with our first child. And we were so excited and ended up losing that first pregnancy. And... I'm so sorry. During that process, I was so more, I was more worried about work because we were in the thick of a season that was really important to my department. I had ten people that were reporting to me, and I was like, I need to show up. And I remember my husband looking at me, going, "Really, right now? That you're not taking care of you?" And I said, "Just forget it, you know." And but six weeks later, I got pregnant again with my daughter, who's now eleven, and it was just a moment for me where. Life just stopped for a second. And we all know how it feels to just run the hamster wheel every so often. I call these stick in the hamster wheel moments where you actually are forced to stop and go, okay, it's time to listen to that inner voice. And so five months pregnant, I walked away from an incredible career and decided to start a photography business. And I had no photography experience, by the way. But I taught myself, I reached out to people and ended up building a successful photography business. But during that time, I was working with families. And you want to talk about putting a woman in a vulnerable position, bring a mother with her child or children to a photo shoot. And it's, how do I look? Can you edit 10 pounds off me? Or they're mortified if God forbid their child isn't perfect during this photo shoot. And it was frustrating for me because as a photographer, I loved capturing the authentic images. I was not a Pinterest photographer, but I also got it. I was a mom of three under four with body image struggles and identity struggles and seeing everyone on the internet saying that motherhood is perfect. And I thought, we've got to stop this. And I've always loved writing. And so I started writing on my photography Facebook page about how life isn't easy all the time, how I don't love bedtime every night because I want to go downstairs and watch Netflix with my husband. Oh,
1: my God. And We're in a bedtime yeah, tornado right yes. now. So like, I feel you right now, Brie.
0: But everybody's like, Mother, it's perfect. It's great. I'm like, it's not all the time. And, and at the time, I was realizing I was going through some postpartum anxiety and not getting help for it. And what happened was my clients started showing up fully free to be themselves because they were reading my my writing and going, oh, this is a place I don't have to be perfect. I can just show up. We can show up as we are. Kids can play in the lake and get wet. I was living in Cleveland at the time and it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be perfect. And I thought, you know what? There's something here. I'm connecting here. And so I decided to start the Thinking Branch as an outlet, as a place to create more community outside of just my photography page and what started as a hobby and an outlet for me has now become this community, this purpose, this mission um, that I do full time now.
1: So let's kind of dive into a lot of like the, so like, how does it, how does it make money? Right. So like, I know you do a lot of speaking and then even like, how has it transformed throughout the years as well? So one of the things I think you and I talked about pre this recording was like sort of brand clarity, right? And brand clarity is something a lot of people struggle with, especially as your business evolves, because you get into it, right? So like your prime example, start out photography, start talking about it. And then the thinking branch came out. And then like, so those things are, are natural evolutions of a brand. But again, like here we are right now, you know, how do you monetize that? How do you take the community and have it be something that is a business. Right. You know, when
0: I, when I started the thinking bridge, it wasn't supposed to make money. It was the photography was how I made money. And then as I started to learn more about the industry and understand it, I thought, wow, this could actually be something that can, you know, be another source of income. But it was a struggle because I had built a brand that was on authenticity, on heartfelt things, talking about hard things. And I thought, if I monetize this, what is my community going to say about me? Are they going to be like, oh, so you started this community to connect and now you're making money off of it? So for a long time, I didn't pursue making money off it because I was afraid it would take away from the authenticity of what the page was. But I quickly learned that it was really all about being intentional on who I was partnering with. What brands were going to allow me to be my authentic self, to use my voice while still helping them with their marketing messages... So I just started looking for those types of partners that would allow my writing to shine, my heartfelt messages to shine. And so I started building that. And then as people saw my community build quickly, but steadily, I wasn't somebody who went viral and got success. This has been a seven and a half year steady growth people started asking me, well, how do you do it? How do you write? And your pictures are beautiful. What can I do? And so I started seeing that I could also help other people who are wanting to start pages as well. And so I do a little bit of social media consulting and helping people identify what their brand message is, to write for social media, to make that connection, helping them with their pictures as well. So really the, the basis of my business, the income is partnerships, keynote speaking, which is we can probably dive into a little bit more doing some consulting and also doing some freelance writing so I write monthly articles for other other organizations as well but misha it is you know every time i talk about my business it's like if you look at every year of my business it's looked different and some people will say well you know what's your 10 year plan and i've never had an answer to that everything good that has come to me has been about me being present in the moment and being aware and recognizing where there's maybe an opportunity to grow or an opportunity to bring a different source of income into my business. And I will say this past year has probably been the thing that I have been working for and didn't really realize that finally all of that work really led me to where I finally feel like this is where I want to be. And the year that I've had is humbling, exciting, and just feels... Authentic to what I have always wanted to do, and it's been hard though because sometimes when people do ask me what I do, because it's changed so much, sometimes that makes me feel insecure that I don't have this. Well, here's exactly what my plan was. Here's how I use the data, and here's how it all. But but for me, I have always been a business owner that leads with heart and a lot of you know awareness, and have just notice the doors that have come to me and opened them peeked in took a look see if what works for me and the one and when it works I stay there and figure out a way for it to work for me
1: so i I see some consistencies mm-hmm. right along the way but I always tell people i I like having a plan right mm-hmm. and but my big thing and I tell everyone this too is that like a, a plan can just be three sentences that you write down inside mm-hmm. of a book and that's fine but especially in the age that we are and I mean like what six months ago, no one was talking about AI. And if I hear another speaker talking about AI, like it's everywhere, right? So we are in such a fast paced society right now that almost to the extent of that business plan by the time you are done writing that sentence may need to change because of what channels you're using via social media, even how to write, uh, and anything along those lines, it may need to change. So having the plan sometimes is good, but I tell people, like, it does, it's not the Ten Commandments here. We're not etching this into stone. It's going to change. But even in your story, I really I think that there's a lot of similarities in it all. And it's not like, you know, Brie was doing photography and then all of a sudden, I don't even know what's the opposite side. Let's just say Brie started making cookies and she wanted to sell cookies, right? So like there has been a natural evolution of you were just bringing brie to the table and then the community around started sitting at the table as well. So i think that there is a little bit of similarities and you are kind of like just feeling some of those things out.
0: Yeah, and to be vulnerable, you know, i think that i'm i'm somebody who loves business and i kind of keep it Close to me, and I think it's because the Thinking Branch is such a you know it's heartfelt. It's 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 about the the life like what you're thinking about at night, and that's so personal. But I have a business side of me that's very intentional, and people don't see the behind the scenes of the negotiating that I do, and the planning that I do, and the changes in wording because I know my sales process and and certain things, and I for some reason, have always kept that really close. And it's almost like this hidden gem that I keep tucked behind because so many people connect with the heart side of me. And I think for a long time, I was worried, again, that if they saw that business side of me, that they would then think that the heartfelt side was a business move, if that makes sense. But I've always operated under this 90-10 thing where when I go to write a post, I sometimes have to ask myself, am I writing this because it's strategic or am I writing this because I know that it is going to serve people? And 90% of what I do is because I want to serve people. I want to help people. It is inherent in me to want to make a difference in the wellness space for mothers, for all of us to just feel like we can show up authentically. But 10% of me strategically knows what I'm doing with that content, where I'm looking at my insights to know what time I should post and how those words are worded so that it connects better than others. Um, But sometimes I find myself leading with the business side. And every time I do that, it doesn't work. And so I think the reason that people don't see a lot of the business side is because I lead with the heart. And I think leading with heart, is a business strategy for me, but also just a personal mission. And I love, I hope that other people who have work, have are entrepreneurs that are trying to do good, can see that, yes, you can make a difference. You can have some strategy behind it too.
1: And, and so my wife and I always have a, a saying of uh, both things can be true at the same time. Uh, and there's a way, because I'm very similar as well per year, you know, as you first start talking about me, I do lean with a lot of heart as well. And I, I bring a lot of that warmth and just sort of vulnerability to almost anything that I walk into. But the rooms that I'm walking into are very strategic. And then even to your point, right? So I'm in I'm an SEO, right? So strategically, I need to write an article that users are searching for. The content inside of that article is going to be authentic. It's going to be, you know, dare I say, thought leading. And then per your other point, the time that I'm posting that is also strategic. So both things can be true at the exact same time. And I I do, I I feel bad for you and I almost kind of want to like have a collective conversation with a lot of women that basically says like the the thinking branch being a, you know, more of a movement, more of a cohort, more of a community, if you want that community to continue to grow and thrive and be there... You, we have to figure out how to make money. and even if it's just a break even. and I agree with you, there's some spaces that are like, you're gonna start putting ads on place. Like, yes, because I want to continue to spread this message. and let's just have that conversation, right? Like it's not a big deal. We need to start figuring out how to make some money. So I like the fact that you've figured out a good balance of bringing in some brands to continue to have the community growing. Um, but also like, we need to make some money to keep yeah. this going. Like, this is just not like, you know, a three-year-old that I'm going to constantly give money to and then they're going to throw all the money on the ground. I'm talking about berries. We're also <laughs> in like a, we're not eating food phase, so.
0: No, and I'm with you. And I would, I will say when I was in that zone of this can't be a business. If I make a little money, that's great. It didn't feel good. And And candidly, the more resources that I have the more good I can do. And that's what I always say to my friends who are like, oh, I feel bad if I do a partnership on this, because I'm talking about something that's so, you know, just personal. I said, but you need to fuel that fire. And if you are putting all this work into it and not making any money, you're going to lose momentum, maybe, you know, lose your passion for it, because you realize how much time you're putting into it and not getting anything in return." And You know, today I, you know, I'm about to finish a year that I've never could have imagined for my business, and I think it's because I finally leaned into the fact that I am a business, and it's okay for me. You know, when we talk about my speaking, so I've been um, working with employee resource groups, a lot of women and caretaker employee resource groups across the country, as well as companies and different conferences to talk about the importance of focusing on self-care and well-being in the workplace. So we, we've we done so much work online, talking to mothers and helping them understand it and saying that we all need it. But I still think there's a little bit of a barrier for those who walk into a workplace and don't feel like they can show up as their whole selves. And so here I am, somebody who watched a lot of my friends during COVID struggle with that. And I think COVID highlighted, <laughs> for those of us working from home, what that looks like and what those struggles are, that when your kid is sick, it affects the way you show up at work. When you are struggling with mental health, it affects the way you show up at work. And so I recognized, I said, hey, I love speaking. This is my mission. I see an opportunity here, not only to make a difference, but also to grow my business. And so for the last year, I've been speaking with dozens of employee resource groups across the country. Again, because it's my purpose... But it's also serving my business, and so I think this um, the speaking has really helped me see that you I'm leading with heart. I'm really thinking about the content, thinking about the one person on the other end of that Zoom screen or in the audience who's nodding their head, looking at me with tears in their eyes. I'm building my content to serve them. But I am absolutely being strategic in the way I price and the way I market it, the way I share on LinkedIn, because there's a strategy behind it as well. And I think that the message here is if you are somebody who's an entrepreneur with a a heartfelt purpose, with a goodwill purpose, it's okay to have strategy behind it too, because the strategy is going to help you impact more people along the way.
1: So I'm happy that you started talking about the speaking, but let's go back to like, you first started speaking, right? So I cannot tell you how many times people have said, How do I get into speaking? Where do I go? How do I start, you know, getting paid for it? So can you try to go back to when you first started? And even I would I would assume, and I'm gonna make a real big assumption here, Brie, but employee resource groups are usually a part of very large organizations and they do pay but i would assume that you had a little bit of imposter syndrome going into this because you know i'm a photographer i'm a mom like i've started the thinking branch but yeah to be able to speak on that magnitude i would assume at the very beginning had a little bit of imposter syndrome i know we're not supposed to use that word anymore but like had a little bit of imposter syndrome uh so let's let's talk a little bit about that how you first started and then climbed I've known for three years that I want to become
0: a speaker. And let's be clear that I really fully started in January of this
1: past year. Also pandemic.
0: Pandemic, right. And imposter syndrome, especially with what I'm talking about. We're talking about self-care and wellness. I'm not a certified coach. I'm not a degree holder in self-care. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. Who am I to go up in front of a room, in front of a company and say, I'm the best person to do this when I don't have the letters after my name. But what happened was right before the pandemic, I was asked by a former colleague, and there were some connections there where they were a networking group of female physicians who were having a gathering of about 100 of them and asked me to come in and talk about self-care. So here I am going, hold on a second. A group of doctors want me to come in and talk about self-care. So you want to talk about some self-talk that I had to do going into it. And I almost turned it down thinking I'm going to, you know, worrying about how I was going to look up there. But then I remembered, I, I went back to, why is the thinking branch been so successful? I'm not any different than any other mom. What I am an expert at is my own story. And what I have a gift in is being willing to be vulnerable and create space for conversation that people don't give themselves. If I focus on that, that That's what's going to make this successful. And so I went up there and I shared my story. And I talked about how, what I endure and remembered that the people in the audience weren't just doctors. They were human beings, moms, friends who are also operating in this world. And it was a really impactful event. And of course, COVID then happened. So, uh, you know, all of that. But I, as I started to do all of this work on myself to say, if you want to do this, you have got to overcome these fears. Because if you're going to go up on stage, you can't have any of those. So I spent a lot of time just doing a lot of reading, doing a lot of reflecting and meditating and building up that confidence to say you belong there and you have a message to share. So when I first started reaching out to ERG leaders, I positioned myself. I said, I am an ERG speaker. And I had spoken to a couple of ERGs, but I am an ERG speaker. This is what I do. And it was all about positioning myself in like with the confidence that I had and and talking about the background that the work that I'm doing, speaking, writing online has created this community. There's obviously a connection here. And it was just about getting people on a meeting and having a conversation with them to let them hear me say, no, I'm not a doctor. I know that's what you're thinking. No, I'm not a therapist. And that's what you're thinking. But what I am is somebody who has learned how to share my story in a way not that people say, oh, that's her story. But people go, wow, what does that mean to my life? She's making me think about my own story. And I just got really fortunate that I was able to land a lot of speaking engagements early on and to gain that credibility along the way and just knew that I had to maintain a confidence and a belief in myself. Because if I didn't, they were going to see right through it when I, when I had that meeting with them.
1: Fortunate is one word. I I mean, I would, going back to your other point, like strategic is another, you knew where you wanted to go. You brought the data. And also I, I would say timing might also have been on, on your side on this. Like mothers, women have got hit so hard during the pandemic, post pandemic, about to get hit even worse with a lot of these daycares closing down. So like and I love that the awareness moms, women have gone through this. It's just finally we're shedding a light on it. So luckily, employee resource groups are are probably saying like, "Hey, we've tried the doctor thing before. Hey, we've tried the letters. Maybe we need something a little bit different." So timing, you know, timing and, and societal sort of shifts might have also been on your side. But I would say the fortunate side. I would I would use more strategic.
0: And what's neat too is, you know, when I go to a women's employee resource group, they start to go, yes, we need this as women, but the whole company needs this. Let's be honest, like so many. And that's that's been something really interesting for me. Even at WITCON, I mean, it was titled Working Motherhood. But we had a couple of dads in the back of the room and, you know, in conversation. And, and this didn't just happen at WITCON, but I hear it a lot where we we all have to be a part of the conversation. And what I love about what some of these women's ERGs are doing is, yes, we're inviting our members in for these talks, but they are welcoming everyone in because not only do we all deserve to talk about self-care, I think specifically, we want people to come, people who don't identify as women, who are not parents, to come into these conversations because the only way that we're going to create change and help people understand and empathize the things that we go through is by being in the room and listening to the conversations. And so I think some of the best ERGs out there are the ones who are recognizing, no, this isn't just for our members, but we want to open this up to everyone so that we can all really understand the importance of talking about wellness, no matter who you are.
1: Do you focus uh, 100% like wellness in
0: in women? So, so again, that's been the interesting part of this year. I, I strategically reached out to the leaders of women and caretaker ERGs simply because of the brand that I've built over the last seven years, which yeah. is a lot of my conversations and the writing that I've been doing have come from my experience of being a woman and my experience of being a mom. And so, you know, because I can only speak to my own experience, it naturally made sense to, you know, reach out to those people first. But again, the cool thing is that a lot of times they would say you know what we want to bring in other ergs because it's not just women and caretakers that need this. So the strategic side is this is what makes most sense for what my brand is, but but I always say to people, you know, you can make this even better. This is a great way to collaborate with your other ergs with, you know, veterans, disability, LGBTQ, all of the different ergs because we all need this conversation, but strategically I've just Always reached out to those because that's the experience that I come from. And that's so what I always say. I'm only an expert in my own story. Mm-hmm. But I think the the strength that I have is the ability to make this the conversation that I create in these programs for everyone. And I even say at the beginning, I don't pretend to know who you are or what you struggled with. I don't know what your family life looks like, what your financial situation looks like with your health. I don't know what that is. And so that's why I'm not going to be another person coming in to tell you how to practice self-care. I don't know what that looks like for you. Instead, we're going to create some space for you to really think about what it means for you and stop looking to the world to give you this one size fits all approach on what self-care is. And instead, really identify what it means for you today, next month in your next season of business, in your next season of life.
1: So here's, I'm putting you on the spot on two big questions. Okay. I didn't send these to her ahead of time. So let's see how she does, everyone. How do you, so I'm thinking about a specific person in my life right now who is the primary breadwinner, has two kids, does everything around the house. Husband is a somewhat traditional husband. What do you say to a woman like that that has to manage a house, manage the money and manage two kids, doesn't have a lot of family support. How is that person supposed to incorporate self-care into their lives?
0: Right. And I think that's why the word self-care for a lot of people is triggering. Because Mm. I remember being a mom of a four-year-old, a two-year-old and a newborn with a really supportive husband, but one that was gone 12 hours a day, no family around. Like self-care? Really? that you're going to tell me to practice self-care. You you want to, you wanna tell me when I have enough money to go to the spa or enough time to go to the spa or go walk on a beach when I live in Cleveland. Like, tell me what to do there. And so I would, you know, I think that the first thing that I always say is we have allowed the world to define what self-care is for us. And so going back to me, that person who was like, forget you, self-care, don't tell me self-care. I was looking to the world to tell me what self-care was. And in that moment, it was go to the spa, go have time with my girlfriends, get rest, take a shower uninterrupted, which didn't exist with three kids under. um, So it frustrated me because I went to the world to try to define it. And so what happened for me was I had to start going, what is self-care to me? What What brings me peace? And knowing that, Sometimes like a vacation would bring me peace, but instead of going, I wish my world were different. I wish that it looked differently. How can I today find that moment? And for me in those moments, it was me waking up five minutes before my family. I would try to meditate if it worked. I would just sit and stand and look outside and watch the leaves. It was some a trick that somebody taught me of like watching the leaves and noticing the color and the way it moved. So, I had to ask myself, with the resources I have right now and this the you know situation I'm in right now, what can I do and even if it's just five minutes, I had to practice that because I needed practice in choosing myself, and that was the hard part is like believing that you can and so you know what I say to your friend is one that i I can't tell you what self care is, but in my program i Kind of walk through this idea of understanding how vulnerability plays a role in it. And I know like again, when I was in that role, when I was struggling with it, I didn't tell anybody. And I was just like, I'm gonna try to figure it out on my own. It's really about finding your people that can help you when you feel like you can't go after self-care yourself if you're trying to hold yourself accountable to find that circle of people. But it's just every day, even if it's just five minutes, having a conversation with myself in the mirror, like you are enough. You are doing the best that you can. Right now, life is really hard, but you are doing a great job. But just finding those, those little moments. But I asked myself, like, what do you need today for inner peace? And if it's a text with a friend, I'll text a friend really quick. So it is, I, I think you know. there's never an answer. I can never say to your friend, well, here's exactly how you practice self-care. What I will say as I think we all need to explore, have we looked at self-care as what the world tells us self-care is, or are we taking the time, even if it's just five minutes to go inward and say, what do I need today? Even if it's
1: just for five minutes. Yeah. My wife just recently started getting up earlier than the rest of us. And yeah, she absolutely loves it. She gets to sip on her coffee for a few minutes before kids wake up and wives wake up. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and I had a friend really who, who who wrote about kind of that concept
0: where she always said, "I just need if I could just get away for a weekend, everything would be fine." Mm. So we spend a lot of time wishing it were different. And she goes, "But I got that weekend away, and then I came home, and I still live the same life that yeah. I did." So I realized I had to find. And so her thing was that it was finishing her cup of coffee while it was hot mm. was going to be her self care. And the way she did that was she would go to her kids and say. Mommy's going to have her coffee. Does anybody need anything before I have my coffee? And, you know, knowing that they might come in, but she, she was intentional on in making sure that every day she was able to sit by herself and have a cup of coffee. Mm. She knew that that might be all she had in that day because she was just, you know, everything was coming at her. But she said it was just that mindset of saying, hey, I picked me today, even yeah. if it was just for
1: five minutes. Yeah. I, and you know what like that's a boundary it's it's not that you know it's not a malicious boundary it's just a boundary that i'm setting for myself and i love your friend for that because now i'm showing my kids a healthy boundary so like commend commend your friend second tough question is in your experience and everything that you're you're doing right why are women feeling more of this pressure and why are women not even feeling, they're they're taking on so much of this. And I say this as like a gross, you know, um, generalization statement because I know that there are men that take it on as well. And I feel like men hide it. And that's also why, you know, if you look at suicide rates, it's predominantly men. So I guess my, my question is, is that like... Since this the women side of things is is more of your area, why are women taking on all of this and not sort of pushing back? Yeah
0: I think that we the world has always celebrated women who do it all. And you think about the memes of she she did it all selflessly. and with grace. with grace, selflessly, she always thought of everyone else and that's what made her wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I believe in selflessness. There are times that selflessness is important for our kids and for our friends and our family, but we celebrate that idea that women who do it all and take care of everyone else beautifully are the the best and they're the most loved. And so if you do take time for yourself, if you say, you know what, I need a break from doing it all and taking care of everyone else, then you start to worry, well, am I not? going to be enough for my kids, for my business, for my family, for my spouse. And so I think it's just always been that way that we celebrate that instead of celebrating rest. And I will say as someone who, you know, I have a partner who he is more, he's he's wonderful. I mean, he is, he is invested in our family's great dad, but I still carry the mental load in our family. And we can have a gazillion conversations about how we can spread that out a little bit more. But the truth is, I want to let go of some of the mental load. But when I do, I have an opinion about how he is taking care of that mental load. And then I say, well, forget it. I'm just going to do it myself. And so I think it's, you know, I started out as the primary caretaker because I was working from home and my husband was in an office. It was just how it had to happen. So we, we built our family foundation that way. And so when we both started working from home together, when we moved to Pittsburgh there was, you know, it was a shift of all of a sudden I'm like, I see you here and I see that you can help with lunches and getting on the bus. And, but we, but we had to really establish what those boundaries are. But I think it's, it's twofold. I think it's, it's generational. I think that, you know, for years it was women stayed home. They did everything, you know, they did all of it, but we also celebrate the women that'll do it all. And then we want to be that. And I think it goes back almost to what we were talking about before is, For a long time, I was building my business goals and deciding who I wanted to be as a mother based on the memes I was reading and what I thought the world said was a great business owner and a great mom. And I didn't slow down long long enough to put the stick in the hamster wheel and ask myself, what is being a good mom to you? What is being a good business owner to you? Because when I was trying to be the mom that I thought I should be and trying to be the business owner that I thought the world said would be successful... I was drowning in mental health struggles. But when I decided, you know what, this is how I want a mother. And I want my kids to see me pursuing my goals. I want my kids to see me practicing self-care. I want my kids to see me setting boundaries when I ask for space. And, you know, and again, that's it's sometimes hard with kids, but I want them to see that. And then as a business owner, I've had so many people that have said, you you really should do this. Well, this could take you to the next level and... and you sometimes start to go, well, should I do that? But then when I look and I say, you know what, I'm being the mom I want to be and my business is operating in a way that works really well for me and my family, then I can just kind of focus on me instead of trying to just keep up with,
1: a, with what the world says a happy, successful woman looks like. My big aha moment for that one was the pandemic. So for some reason, I kept working really hard Hard and not smart, really hard to get my business to a million dollars. And at some point in time, someone was like, why? And I could not have answered that for you because I felt like that, that meant I was successful, right? As I got to a million and then the pandemic slowed everything down and I was like, oh wait, let's redefine this, right? Let's redefine what success looks like, which is actually... A perfect way for us to tee into some of our closing questions. So you kind of said it a little bit, but Brie, what is success to you? Success
0: is authentically going toward a goal that you authentically created for yourself. So when I look back on my life, I want to see that I operated in a way that was authentic to me, that I you know, set goals, not because the world said these are what your goals should be, but I did them because it's what felt good to me. This applies to business, applies to motherhood. This applies to my personal goals and the way I show up in my friendships. As someone who's on social media and is constantly seeing the way that everyone is trying to tell you, I mean, here we are coming up on the holiday season. I'm about to feel bad if I have a perfectly decorated house or if I don't. And so even little things like how you handle the holiday season, do you have a fake tree or a real tree? is Because it's constantly in our face, it's hard to remember who you are anymore. Like, is my thought because I read that thing or is my thought because I've checked in with myself enough to know that this is what's important to me? So for me, I want to get to the end of my life and look back and go, you showed up as who you were and you did that for you, not because the rest of the world told you to.
1: And so let us let me go a level deeper, right? So you hit it. You hit it. My next question on this one is like, how do you know that what is authentic to you is truly authentic to you, not something that you've just sort of been, let's say brainwashed by social media on. So the the check-ins that you're talking about, is that how you personally will know that this is this is truly authentic to me versus something like i saw and then someone had to sort of push back on so how how do you make sure that that is authentic yeah
0: this is exactly what i talk about in my sessions it's like we move so fast that if we feel something, so if something feels uncomfortable, so you walk into a room, you have an interaction, and you're like, that felt uncomfortable. Was it me? Was it that person? Is it the room I'm in? But then we go on to the next conversation. We go home, we take care of our kids. We have a meeting the next day and we don't think about what happened there. I'm somebody who will go, what was uncomfortable about that moment? Hmm. Did I feel like I said something because I thought I should and then that made me feel uncomfortable or was it the room that I was in? Was this? And I am constantly if anything feels off i ask myself why sometimes i don't find the answer sometimes i go to my therapist and ask her if she has the answer but i think it's important that when we feel those feelings of feeling off that we ask ourselves why and and i work through those is it an insecurity or was it actually just the, something else that was going on and then i apply that as i move forward equally something I think we don't do is I sit in the moments that are really good, Mm. right? So like right now I feel really good about our conversation, what's happening. When I leave here, I'm going to go, why? Mm. Was it Misha's energy? Is it someone like Misha? Was it her questions? Was it the way she made me reflect so that I can really understand how can I create another moment where I can feel this goodness And if I, you know, if I would walk out of here, which I'm not, and didn't feel good, I would ask myself the same thing. So I think that we move so fast Mm. that we don't pay attention to those little moments that teach us so much about
1: ourselves. I like that. I like that a lot. What is your biggest lesson from a failure you've had? I'm super cliche that I don't believe that there are failures,
0: but... I vividly remember when I first started um, diving into the social media world, I went to a conference in Florida. And I walked in and immediately started recognizing the big names in the room. And I sat down at a table and someone sits down beside me and I turn and look and it's one of those big names. And I immediately went into a shell, please don't ask me what my blog name is or how many followers I have. And of course she turned to me, she's like, hi, what do you do? What's the point of your, ask me all these questions. And I played small and I was very like, uh, you know, I know who you are. And, you know, I, 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 you don't want to hear what I have to say. I'm just so glad to meet you. And the rest of the conference that set the tone for the rest of the conference Mm -hmm. where I just felt like I had to fit in instead of just owning the fact that I was brand new, and I was there to learn. And I was there to connect with people, not with the number of followers that they have. And on the airplane ride home, I said, Brie, you better pay attention to how ugly that felt. To not believe in yourself, to not just own exactly where you are in your path, because I don't wanna walk into another room and be anyone but myself and own anything but where I'm at in my journey. And I think that that has helped me a lot because I've been fortunate enough to be put into rooms with 100 female physicians where I'm like, well, I have to be a certain thing. I better change the way I approach it. Nope, I'm going to stay right where I am. I go to a networking event and think, oh, I should probably wear this, but I'm more comfortable in this, but I wear the if. I'm like, well, no, I'm going to wear what's comfortable to me because I remember how it felt when I didn't. So for me, again, being in social media, That even means showing up in the social media room when I think "Mm, that seems to be working for that influencer. Maybe I should try that. But if it's not authentic to me, I remember how ugly it felt when I tried to do that. And so to me, that was one of the greatest lessons because as an entrepreneur, I can learn all the things about algorithms and strategy and all those things. But if I'm not showing up in a networking room as myself, do you think I can strategically network? Mm. Do you th- if I'm not showing up authentically in my writing, do you think that's going to move my business forward? So I think that that was a lesson that always show up in a room as you and own it. Don't compare
1: yourself, just be who you are. So last question is, what is one actionable item that you would give to a woman entrepreneur? Don't underestimate the
0: power of personal growth as you go through your entrepreneurial journey. Mm -hmm. You can go to a conference and get all the tips, tricks, and tools, and you could be the best person to execute those things. But if your insecurities and your fears and your imposter syndrome are leading the way, you will never use those tools to the best of your ability. So yes, you should go sharpen those tools. They're important. We should talk about websites, we should talk about being a great keynote speaker because it's all part of it. But if you are not caring for yourself, and you are not focusing on working through the insecurities that affect the way that you hold that business tool, none of it matters. Hmm. So I think if you are going to be an entrepreneur, it's very different from, you know, when you go in and represent a company versus when you're representing yourself. Because I know when I used to have to negotiate for the company, it was one thing. But when I'm standing across the room from somebody and negotiating my value Mm. as a person, I better have worked through all of that. And so just remember that for all of the strategy that is so important to business, don't forget to take care of the person that is going to be executing it.
1: Love it. Brie, where can people find you?
0: You can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Both of them are at The Thinking Branch. I'm also incredibly active on LinkedIn and love connecting there. And it's Brie, B-R-E-A Schmidt. Love to connect with you there.
1: Yeah, we'll have links in the show notes.
0: And and we also will have a website, but I need to talk to Misha about that first.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming on, Brie. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Misha.